Kia ora, and welcome to Design Assembly Conversations. In this series, we talk to Aotearoa New Zealand designers, hear their stories and celebrate their work. I'm Louise, and today I'm talking to Gideon Keith from Seven. Gideon is the founder and creative partner at Seven, an independent strategic brand agency based in Tamaki Makoro. Gideon is a creative director and designer with over 30 years experience, leading teams to create award-winning work that connects brands with their audiences. He has worked with clients across Australasia, Asia, Europe, and North America. And as an international award-winning designer, typographer, and mark maker, he is accomplished across a wide range of mediums, from brand development, advertising, digital and experience, and art direction and design of countless publications. Kia ora, Gideon. Thanks very much for joining me for this Design Assembly Conversations podcast. Um, I'd love to start by asking you where you come from. Ooh, well, that's a big question, really, isn't it? But um, I suppose in a nutshell, I I didn't go to college, so I was I kind of did what was what you'd consider an apprenticeship. And um, I'd originally wanted to be an engineer, but my maths was so bad that that I you know I. <laughs> That dream disappeared in, in fifth form. I uh, did a few odd jobs uh, as I left school and was lucky enough to land in the studio of a guy called Mark Adams, who I believe was one of the founders of the Designers Institute. Um, a great designer still is uh, today. He, he does um, done a lot of kind of uh, wine labels and things like that that you recognise, but but was uh, at the height of the 80s and, and that largesse that was corporate uh, New Zealand uh, before the crash, you know, um, did a lot of corporate work and then eventually joined forces with a guy called Peter De Beer to become De Beer Adams, which some people may remember. I worked for him for a few years and then I made the decision to go work in an advertising agency, which is the worst thing possible mainly because it was a, it was a bit of a crappy job and the and and, the, and they still do it a little bit today but advertising a designer is is kind of like what uh, a design studio would call an art worker and so I spent a lot of time um, doing new world circulars like uh, resizing um, you know, cans of oak spaghetti and heads of broccoli and things like that for a circular that would end up in your uh, mailbox every uh, every week. So I hated that and left that job, did some more odd jobs, and then ended up in Australia and worked for another really good designer, a guy called Ed Gillen, uh, Ed Gillen Design, his self-named studio. Uh, and we did, we did a lot of record covers, and we did a lot of um, magazines, uh, annual reports, identities, you name it, we did a uh, whole lot of that sort of stuff. And then I came back to New Zealand, early 90s, um, I think it was kind of just around the mother of all budgets, Ruth Richardson's budget, which was New Zealand was a dark place economically at that time. Uh, and I couldn't get a job, so I sort of rented a computer and started freelancing and doing my own thing. And and then, you know, this seven is the is the kind of the continuation, even though it's been in many guises, um, is the continuation of that. So that's where I kind of came from. Were you inspired by anyone kind of in your family or around you to kind of launch into this career in design? You look back on your on your life and go, what what you know, what were my influences? And and I kind of, if I look at the drawings that my mother and my father saved from when I was at school, I kind of go, oh, look, that's the designer. There used to be these um, books you could buy called Speedball, 
and you could you could kind of um, use tracing paper or paper and you could write over them and do all the different characters. So all of my um, school reports were looked amazing. Um, they didn't sound very good or they weren't particularly interesting. So uh, I could kind of see that there was the designer in me. I found out later, probably about 20 years ago, that my great uncle, a guy called Clifton Firth, was a, was a pioneer New Zealand designer. Uh, my father, he never fails to tell me that uh, uh, he course was a designer when in the 60s arts and fine arts and and commercial art were, were, were not dissimilar kind of beasts so dad did uh did the logo for the labor party uh, first concrete uh, things like that so uh those sort of things so there was always that influence in my life i mean i grew up my my both my parents were involved in the arts um and so yeah i was always influenced by that which i think you know has uh, affects me today or you know has influenced me today yeah, that's interesting, isn't it, that um, so recently that kind of art and then commercial art and what we know as design kind of was so um, married. Um, and that emergence of design is um, kind of more of an individual profession. You know, do you think that kind of happened, say, in the 80s or the 90s? And what, what do you think kind of kicked that off? I think the separation was probably in the 70s. Uh, I'm, I'm guessing there's somebody should write a history of New Zealand uh, graphic design and you know that you know, I, I remember Pat Hanley used to do logos and things like that so it, it's weird that we we kind of we just you know we have quite you know um, specialised uh, things but that's capitalism really <laughs> we've become more and more specialised in different things and it used to be that, that you know designers were more um, conductors than they were uh, practitioners. And, and I think nowadays we've become specialists in either type or mark making or brand or illustration or layout or you name it, there's all sorts of specialisations. And um, the influence of doing those kind of um, record covers and, and um, things like that for the music industry early on, you know, how did that inform um, your practice as a young designer? Well, it was kind of fun. It was, it was you know, I, I was into music at the time. I was, you know, I was... I was DJing, so it was kind of, you know, there was a yin and yang about it. And um, compilation records in Australia, you know, the, the, the now that's what I call music type thing. And they were, you know, they were interesting. They were fun to do. They were actually quite a bit of work because they were a 12-inch. Uh, and they'd generally be gatefold. So there was lots of stuff and uh, lots of illustrations and type. And, and, and in Australia was also where I saw the, um, the computer arrive in the studio. So that wasn't, you know, before that you, you would... Um, specify type, and you would get illustrations done, and, and um, photography done. And it would all be done by film strippers. There was, a, you know, there was a cast and crew of thousands to get things visualised. Uh, so you actually had to have a very strong vision of what you wanted, so that you could direct and, and uh, um, commission people to do stuff. But yeah, that, that um, record cover stuff was uh, was fun. So you know, everything from compilations to classicals to artists. Um, work, you know, worked with uh, people like the Headless Chickens back in the day. I mean, you know, we, we had a, uh, a studio, uh, Marcus Ringrose and myself, called V8, and um, we did Planet Magazine, and we, we also shot music videos for the Headless Chickens, and we did record covers and things like that. So it was, there was a, there was a real blurring of, of lines between between what a designer did, and I think that was, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, and, and, you know, gives you that great variety in terms of um, that widened skill set as well, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, and I think that's the exciting thing about being a designer is, is learning new stuff. I mean, 
you know, whether it's, um, we did a, a rebrand for a, a funeral director's company uh, recently, which, which was really, but we found out a lot about what funeral directors do. And, and it was, it was really enlightening. It was really interesting. And in that, you know, that they've got, they do an amazing job. And people are kind of a bit funny about them, uh, which we, we learned through that process. Or, or whether it's learning about rugby. I mean, I, I used to, I grew up in the, in, the uh, in a liberal family in the 80s, and, and rugby was the devil, you know, obviously because of the Springbok Tour and, and all of that sort of stuff. And, and in what have been the mid-90s, I, I got a job, and it was to do the super rugby uh, books that, that BP gave away. Um, I, it, had, it had every franchise and every um, player. So I kind of learned their names and the things, and, and I kind of understood a bit about rugby, but I started watching it, and then I got hooked. It was just because I knew the names. I knew I, it was. I'd become interested in it. So it's a, it's funny how you kind of get into into different things through the introduction of of um, different clients and different projects. Yeah, and that curiosity, I think, is a, a key kind of personality trait of um, being a designer, and how you can, as you say, stay interested. Um, you know throughout your career with the, with different clients. Mm. I, I think that's something which I always look for in designers is a history of curiosity. We talked about before about, you know, my, my background and, yeah. and uh, uh, I always, I always think that, and, and maybe this is a sexist thing to say, but I always think that, that a mother's influence is, is really important in forming what a, how a designer you know, sees the world, you know, um, whether it's food or music or art or culture or you name it, there's, there's kind of that introduction of, of different ideas and, and it's less practical and it's more aesthetic. Uh, and it's thinking about, about looking at the world from different perspectives, which I think is, is what mums are really good at doing. Today, how, what is the uh, kind of fruition of um, Seven and, um, and what, are you, what are you up to? Well, um, Seven is a 25-year-old starter. I'd say <laughs> we had a circuitous route back to to Seven. You know, uh, we were strategy for about 10 years, um, and then we left that that group in the end of of our kind of lockdowns in September 2020, and we went well. Let's become let's go back to our roots and become Seven again. So there is there are people who remember. Seven vaguely, uh, we've had when we've reintroduced ourselves to our clients. Oh, I wonder what had happened to you guys, and we kind of tell the story. So uh, we're a we're a small kind of studio. We do you know brand, um, and we have that kind of we do that content space. So we have copywriters and um, mostly design. So we try and do you know really well crafted, considered brand design. I suppose would be. God, I should I should know I should have a better uh, elevator pitch for for what we do, shouldn't we? And uh, what do you do within the studio day to day? What's your role? So I'm creative partner, which is just a fancy word for for saying I've got skin in the game, and, and um, I'm a creative director. Uh, so my role is less on the tools, more about the 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 interface between the client and the studio, um, and also the strategy. Part. So I kind of uh, contextualise the brief for the for the creatives, and I also help sell in um, the creative ideas. And, and you know, quite often it's it's um, it is a it's a client management role, and I spend a lot of time in meetings. And you know, on a on a average day, I might have six or seven meetings. So I don't get a lot of time to to be on the tools. One thing I do still do and active in is which is book design. I love book design. It's been something I've been doing since. Or the 90s when I first set up uh, the, the um, board four, 
And um, so, yeah, I still do that today. I feel, I feel like it's an honest day's work. I feel like I'm actually doing something. But, yeah, the rest of the time I'm, I'm, I do a little, little bit of video, a little bit of technical stuff. I kind of, yeah. In terms of how you see the value of design today then and um, the strategic side of design, uh, is that something that you've learned over the years and come to realise that this is where the value of design sits now? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely. I think I think strategy is a, is a really important component of of good design. You know, it, it sharpens the intent, it defines the audience, and 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 uh, you know, and, and, and what what the design is trying to do. You know, what the communication piece is trying to do. So I think it's really important. Something I've learned over the years working with some great strategists. The the challenge with strategy is is that sometimes it can get in the way of good design, which as a designer that's that's kind of the argument, you know. Um, and a strategist will say, well, no, if you if you're not achieving the the strategy, then then you're not achieving anything. So there's always that tension point, um, and I think that's the kind of the the role of strategy and design, which is which is to to you know is to give good, clean ball, to use rugby analogy, you know, help define a really sharp brief, you know. What is, what's that great line? You know, give me the freedom of a well-defined brief. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, that's the role of strategy. It also helps clients understand what they're looking at. Um, you know, that, that whole subjective thing that, you know, oh, I don't like blue. Well, but, the you know, the blue is for this or for whatever it is. Oh, I can't understand it now. So it helps contextualise what, what the, the, the decisions a designer makes. Yeah, and I often think uh, as designers we can forget that not everyone speaks the language, visual language and, and that's what we speak. So therefore using strategy as a tool and you know writing down the brief and using that written language and verbal language um, to all be on the same page and, and communicate the ideas is essential to um, getting that uh, design concepts and um, through to the client. Mm, yeah, exactly. Uh, you look, you know, I think I think we look at you know the value of design for business as return on investment, right? I spend X, I achieve Y, and there's there's a whole lot of ways of measuring what that return is and what that return you know can be. But I, I think strategy helps people understand an aesthetic or a creative idea. You know, I, I always I always laugh when, when when clients say, "Oh, you guys, you what have you guys been smoking to get that idea?" Um, and it's like, well, actually, no, we've been thinking laterally and we've worked really hard to create an interesting, challenging idea or whatever it is. Um, and, and that's the strategy really helps that. Yeah. And is there a recent project that you'd um, like to share with us that's, you know, been especially great to work on or challenging or has provided insights to yourself and the team? Like like anything, today's project is as um, exciting as and uh, it'll become yesterday's project pretty pretty quickly. So we have recently completed a uh, rebrand of an organization called Samson. Nobody really knows about Samson because they try and keep a low profile. It's the Friedlander family who are property owners and developers. They've done some amazing buildings like Iron Bank and Cumulus and Axis. Um, so it's some heritage buildings as well as some new builds. And they've got a real sustainability bent to their approach on how they do things. So they came to us because their story wasn't being told particularly well about that sustainability and another developer was tooting their own horn about you know uh, five-star green buildings and all that sort of thing and they were like oh, well hold on a second we've been doing this for 20 years you know you can't steal our thunder 
And so we started talking to them about about what that content might look like and how that might sound. And eventually, that, that we we um, realised that, that actually their, their brand wasn't doing them any favours. They weren't. It wasn't clear. It wasn't uh, well articulated. It um, didn't really represent them, and everybody had a different take on it. So we. We developed a, um, a brand strategy, which was around this idea about thinking in generations, uh, which is a really nice twist on that idea about a family-owned business, but also that idea of sustainability. Uh, and then did this really lovely identity. Um, James Powell, our design director, did a, a beautiful job on it. Uh, and it's um, it's quite structural. Um, and so we, we created a physical version of this and used use these little elements um, and photographed them in situ at their buildings. Uh, and that's just picked up two uh, medals at uh, TDC, so we're pretty happy about that. It bodes well for, you know, awards season. Yeah, so loving that project at the moment. Um, another one which we did last year, which uh, Carly, another one of our designers, uh, worked on, which is called Making Space, which is the history of uh, women in architecture in New Zealand, um, which is a, a lovely book. So I'm hoping that will do well this year as well for her. And that theme of sustainability, um, am I right in that your studio has achieved a um, B Corp? We are this close. So um, our final review got pushed out. It was meant to be this week, but it's got pushed out to June. They're slammed. So many people are, are applying to become uh, accredited, B Corp accredited. And I think it's I think it's a certification, certified rather than accredited. Um, I think it's a, a certification that, that will become more and more standard in, in businesses. Yeah. And what does that mean for your studio? Like what kind of processes? Okay, well, it's, it's, um, we, we, we're a small studio of seven people. So we've got a, we've got a, uh, employee manual of 115 pages, uh, which is ridiculous, but you know, it look, it's, it, it's a really good process to go through. It looks at, it looks at everything of how you pay your staff, how you structure things, the amount of work you do, work you do for not for profits, the amount of work, um, uh, that you do for, um, not for profit organizations. So, um, I forgot. Pro bono. Pro bono. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like we do everything, like we weigh our we weigh our rubbish, because we're trying to reduce the amount of, of waste that we send to landfill. Uh, we make sure that we recycle as much as we can. We think about how we print things. Um, and we look at our supply chain. Um, it's an interesting certification because it's American. So you know, there's all things about you know paying for uh, health insurance for your staff, making sure you pay a living wage for everybody. Yeah, all sorts of things. So, it's, so uh, the B for, in B Corp stands for benefit. So it's all about being a better business. And I and um, I would love it if, if uh, we could actually do something that, that added to New Zealand. So um, there was something about being a uh, tertiary. So that was, you know, how, how do you be a good business under that context? A big commitment, especially for a small business, isn't it? It is. It's been it's been a two almost three year journey to get to this point. And it was interesting. You were talking earlier about um, I think how designers used to be more conductors and directors, um, and you know the the um, two letters on everyone's lips um, this year are AI, AI and design. And I wonder if you've um, delved into this area uh, much, and and what you think the impact of AI will be on design kind of in the immediate future and, and the far future? 
well, the immediate future. Well, the, the, the far future is actually becoming pretty immediate. Um, it's quite it's quite scary that the pace it is moving at. Yes, we 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 are definitely exploring it and we're using it for bits and pieces. So ChatGPT is a great way to, to you know do research. Uh, you know, I, I look at it as as an extension of the search engine. That ChatGPT is a thing. Um, Mid Journey is a great visualization tool, and it's a, I think that's the important. Th- way of thinking about it. It's a tool. Somebody needs to ask it the question. When I was in my, you know, first few years of design, uh, computers weren't involved. There was, there was, the computers were sat in big mainframes and, and, and typesetting houses or film production houses. Um, they weren't accessible by studios. And slowly, you know, then the Mac came out and it sat in the corner and people would do little bits of type and they'd use that and paste up. And then it became Incorporated into into the process now, uh, you know, designing without without a computer is, is is unthought of, right? And at that time, there were a lot of designers who would, you know, the more mature designers who wouldn't thought, thought they were terrible that, that they were going to ruin design and that. I remember sitting with Peter De Beer, uh, and I did a, some freelance work at De Beer Adams for a while, and, and Peter had one of those kind of extendable pointers, and he would point on the screen and go, I'll "Move that there and do that." It was really annoying. I don't know whether anybody's worked with a client who does that. It's super frustrating. But he, he didn't want to learn how to use the computer, which is fine, but he was latish in his career, so that was it. And I think AI is a bit like that. If we refuse to learn it, then it will it will take over our roles. If we learn it and, and incorporate it into our practice, um, we can be better designers, we can produce things faster, um, and it'll be all of that kind of churn and burn stuff that, that um, we get juniors to do or art workers to do that it'll be really good at. Yeah. Um, I was talking to my stepmother the other night. So uh, my stepmother's a woman called Nyla Dixon, who's a costume designer. She's working on a new project, and she is using Mid Journey to do um, some sort of concept, initial concept work. She's just exploring it. She's experimenting with it. I thought, wow, that's you know, she's she's in her uh, in the last years of her career, should we say? Um, and um, so she is she's embracing AI, and I think I think that's what we should be doing. We should be embracing it. It's a bit scary that it, it, it could. A bit like things like Fiverr and stuff like that, you know, that kind of endless smashing out kind of cheap as logos. Uh, it can, it will end up on that sort of stuff, and and it will mean that 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 there will be less work, there will be less kind of those low end uh, roles of of designers. But um, I still think that you know the wet we're required um, to create good design and and connect it to audiences is, is, is a is a human role for the foreseeable. Yeah, and I, I I wonder then how it will change the role of, um, as you say, junior designers even. I've been talking to a few students and, and as you say, saying, you know, especially um, this year as it's all emerging, it's to be curious and get in there and learn it because um, if you know um, how to work with AI and how to um, give it good prompts and talk to it, then that's a skill, I guess, that, you know, studios will hire junior designers for in that respect. Yeah, uh, look, we're going through the process of, of hiring a, a new junior and, and, you know, the the amount of different little roles or subspecialties that, that you know, they get taught in school, you know, like digital design or illustration, typography, chat, you know, um, AI will just be another one of those. You know. And um, finally, I'd just like to ask you for some words of wisdom for um other designers and creatives out there or um, people starting their journey in this profession? 
I, I suppose uh, the best piece of advice is, is, is you've got to love what you do. You know, it's, it's, it's like any job that you do, 80% of it will be mundane. 10% of it will be horrible and 10% of it will be amazing. So, you know, to, to get through the mundane and, and the and the horrible, you've got to love the 10%. So, you know, deal with that. And, and you know, uh, be curious. Maintain that curiosity. Keep learning. Keep enjoying, you know, that uh, the opportunities that you are given. You know, uh, there is no such thing as a bad brief. There's only res- a bad response to a brief. And, and if, you, if you maintain that mindset, your creative director will probably give you less shitty briefs. And, you know, because there's... If, I always remember that there's that joke about... Um, Designers, how many designers does it take to change a light bulb? And, the, and it's like, does it have to be a light bulb? Uh, and it's always keep asking questions. You always look for an opportunity in a brief and, and you know, always keep that in mind. Uh, we've, put, we've got a um, you know, job description that says, you know, to give equal weights to form and function, right? So always thinking about creating beautiful work but make sure it's effective. And so that's always about asking questions. That's always about challenging briefs and finding new ways. And so I suppose that's... Probably the best piece of advice I can I can get. Well, thank you very much for your time today. It's been great to hear about um, where you've come from and um, your role in Seven um, as it is today. Mm. Uh, and thank you, Lou, as well, for your work that you put into the design community. Kia ora. Thanks very much, Gideon. Kia ora.